Chapter forty eight of the Count of Monte Cristo. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter forty eight Ideology. If the Count of Monte Cristo had been for a long time familiar with the ways of Parisian society, he would have appreciated better the significance of the step which Monsieur de Villefort had taken. Standing well at court, whether the king regnant was of the older or younger branch, whether the government was doctrinaire liberal or conservative, looked upon by all as a man of talent, since those who have never experienced a political check are generally so regarded, hated by many, but warmly supported by others, without being really liked by anybody. Monsieur de Villefort held a high position in the magistracy, and maintained his eminence like a harley or a mole. His drawing-room, under the regenerating influence of a young wife and a daughter by his first marriage, scarcely eighteen, was still one of the well-regulated Paris salons, where the worship of traditional customs and the observance of rigid etiquette were carefully maintained. A freezing politeness, a strict fidelity to government principles, a profound contempt for theories and theorists, a deep-seated hatred of ideality, these were the elements of private and public life displayed by Monsieur de Villefort. He was not only a magistrate, he was almost a diplomatist. His relations with the former court, of which he always spoke with dignity and respect, made him respected by the new one, and he knew so many things that not only was he always carefully considered, but sometimes consulted. Perhaps this would not have been so had it been possible to get rid of Monsieur de Villefort, but, like the feudal barons who rebelled against their sovereign, he dwelt in an impregnable fortress. This fortress was his post as king's attorney, all the advantages of which he exploited with marvellous skill, and which he would not have resigned but to be made deputy, and thus to replace neutrality by opposition. Ordinarily, Monsieur de Villefort made and returned very few visits. His wife visited for him, and this was the received thing in the world, where the weighty and multifarious occupations of the magistrate were accepted as an excuse for what was really only calculated pride, a manifestation of professed superiority. In fact, the application of the axiom, pretend to think well of yourself and the world will think well of you, an axiom a hundred times more useful in society nowadays than that of the Greeks, know thyself, a knowledge for which in our days we have substituted the less difficult and more advantageous science of knowing others. To his friends, <coughs> Monsieur de Villefort was a powerful protector to his enemies. He was a silent but bitter opponent. For those who were neither the one nor the other, he was a statue of the law-made man. He had a haughty bearing, a look either steady and impenetrable, or insolently piercing and inquisitorial. Four successive revolutions had built and cemented the pedestal upon which his fortune was based. Monsieur de Villefort had the reputation of being the least curious and the least wearisome man in France. He gave a ball every year, at which he appeared for a quarter of an hour only, that is to say, five and forty minutes less than the king is visible at his balls. He was never seen at the theatres, at concerts, or in any place of public resort. Occasionally, but seldom, he played at whist, and then care was taken to select partners worthy of him. Sometimes they were ambassadors, sometimes archbishops, or sometimes a prince or a president or some dowager duchess. 
such was the man whose carriage had just now stopped before the count of monte cristo's door the valet de chambre announced monsieur de villefort at the moment when the count leaning over a large table was tracing on a map the route from st petersburg to china the procureur entered with the same grave and measured step he would have employed in entering a court of justice he was the same man or rather the development of the same man whom we have heretofore seen as assistant attorney at marseilles nature according to her way had made no deviation in the path he had marked out for himself from being slender he had now become meagre once pale he was now yellow his deep-set eyes were hollow and the gold spectacles shielding his eyes seemed to be an integral portion of his face he dressed entirely in black with the exception of his white tie and his funeral appearance was only mitigated by the slight line of red ribbon which passed almost imperceptibly through his buttonhole and appeared like a streak of blood traced with a delicate brush although master of himself monte cristo scrutinized with irrepressible curiosity the magistrate whose salute he returned and who distrustful by habit and especially incredulous as to social prodigies was much more despised to look upon the noble stranger as monte cristo was already called as an adventurer in search of new fields or an escaped criminal rather than as a prince of the holy see or a sultan of the thousand and one nights sir said villefort in the squeaky tone assumed by magistrates in their oratorical periods and of which they cannot or will not divest themselves in society sir the signal service which you yesterday rendered to my wife and son has made it a duty for me to offer you my thanks i have come therefore to discharge this duty and to express to you my overwhelming gratitude and as he said this the eye severe of the magistrate had lost nothing of its habitual arrogance he spoke in a voice of the procureur-general with the rigid inflexibility of neck and shoulders which caused his flatterers to say as we have before observed that he was the living statue of the lord monsieur replied the count with a chilling air i am very happy to have been the means of preserving a son to his mother for they say that the sentiment of maternity is the most holy of all and the good fortune which occurred to me monsieur might have enabled you to dispense with a duty which in its discharge confers an undoubtedly great honour for i am aware that monsieur de villefort is not usually lavish of the favour which he now bestows on me a favour which however estimable is unequal to the satisfaction which i have in my own consciousness villefort astonished at this reply which he by no means expected started like a soldier who feels the blow levelled at him over the armour he wears and a curl of his disdainful lip indicated that from that moment he noted in the tablets of his brain that the count of monte cristo was by no means a highly bred gentleman he glanced around in order to seize on something on which the conversation might turn and seemed to fall easily on a topic he saw the map which monte cristo had been examining when he entered and said you seem geographically engaged sir it is a rich study for you who as i learn have seen as many lands as are delineated on this map yes sir replied the count 
i have sought to make of the human race taken in the mass that you practice every day on individuals a physiological study i have believed it was much easier to descend from the whole to a part than to ascend from a part to the whole it is an algebraic axiom which makes us proceed from a known to an unknown quantity and not from an unknown to a known but uh, sit down sir i beg of you monte cristo pointed to a chair which the procureur was obliged to take the trouble to move forwards himself while the count merely fell back into his own on which he had been kneeling when monsieur villefort entered thus the count was halfway turned towards his visitor having his back towards the window his elbow resting on the geographical chart which furnished the theme of conversation for the moment a conversation which assumed as in the case of the interviews with danglars and morcerf a turn analogous to the persons if not to the situation ah you philosophize replied villefort after a moment's silence during which like a wrestler who encounters a powerful opponent he took breath well sir really if like you i had nothing else to do i should seek a more amusing occupation why in true sir was monte cristo's reply man is but an ugly caterpillar for him who studies him through a solar microscope but you said i think that i had nothing else to do now really let me ask sir have you do you believe you have anything to do or to speak in plain terms do you really think that what you do deserves being called anything villefort's astonishment redoubled at this second thrust so forcibly made by his strange adversary it was a long time since the magistrate had heard a paradox so strong or rather to say the truth more exactly it was the first time he had ever heard of it the procureur exerted himself to reply sir he responded you are a stranger and i believe you say yourself that a portion of your life has been spent in oriental countries so you are not aware how human justice so expeditious in barbarous countries takes with us a prudent and well-studied course oh yes yes i do sir it is the pede claudo of the ancients i know all of that for it is with the justice of all countries especially that i have occupied myself it is with the criminal procedure of all nations that i have compared natural justice and i must say sir that it is the law of primitive nations that is the law of retaliation that i have most frequently found to be according to the law of god if this law were adopted sir said the procureur it would greatly simplify our legal codes and in that case the magistrates would not as you observed have much to do it may perhaps come to this in time observed monte cristo you know that human inventions march from the complex to the simple and simplicity is always perfection in the meanwhile continued the magistrate our codes are in full force with all their contradictory enactments derived from gallic customs roman laws and frank usages the knowledge of all which you will agree is not to be acquired without extended labour it needs tedious study to acquire this knowledge and when acquired a strong power of brain to retain it 
"'I agree with you entirely, sir. "'But all that even you know with respect to French code, "'I know not only in reference to that code, "'but as regards the codes of all nations. "'The English, Turkish, Japanese, Hindu laws "'are as familiar to me as the French laws, "'and thus I was right when I said to you that relatively— "'You know that everything is relative, sir— "'that relatively to what I have done you have very little to do, "'but that relatively to all I have learned you have yet a great deal to learn.' "'But with what motive have you learned all this?' inquired Villefort in astonishment. Monte Cristo smiled. "'Really, sir,' he observed, "'I see that in spite of the reputation which you have acquired as a superior man—' "'You look at everything from the material and vulgar view of society, "'beginning with man and ending with man. "'That is to say, in the most restricted, most narrow view, "'which it is possible for human understanding to embrace.' "'Pray, sir, explain yourself,' said Villefort, more and more astonished. "'I really do not understand you perfectly.' "'I say, sir, that with the eyes fixed on the social organization of nations, "'you see only the springs of the machine, "'and lose sight of the sublime workman who makes them act. "'I say that you do not recognize before you and around you "'any but those office-holders whose commissions have been signed by a minister or king, "'and that the men whom God has put above those office-holders, ministers and kings, by giving them a mission to follow out, instead of a post to fill. I say that they escape your narrow, limited field of observation. It is thus that human weakness fails from its debilitated and imperfect organs. Tobias took the angel who restored him to light for an ordinary young man. The nations took Attila, who was doomed to destroy them for a conqueror similar to other conquerors, and it was necessary for both to reveal their missions, that they might be known and acknowledged. One was compelled to say, I am the angel of the Lord, and the other, I am the hammer of God, in order that the divine essence in both might be revealed. Then, said Villefort, more and more amazed, and really supposing he was speaking to a mystic or a madman, "'You consider yourself as one of those extraordinary beings whom you have mentioned.' "'And why not?' said Monte Cristo coldly. "'Your pardon, sir,' replied Villefort, quite astounded. "'But you will excuse me if, when I presented myself to you, I was unaware that I should meet with a person whose knowledge and understanding so far surpass the usual knowledge and understanding of men. It is not usual with us corrupted wretches of civilization to find gentlemen like yourself, possessors as you are of immense fortune, at least so it is said, and I beg you to observe that I do not inquire, I merely repeat, it is not usual, I say, for such privileged and wealthy beings to waste their time in speculations on the state of society, in philosophical reveries intended at best to console those whom fate has disinherited from the goods of this world. Really, sir, retorted the Count, 
have you attained the eminent situation in which you are without having admitted or even without having met with exceptions and do you never use your eyes which must have acquired so much finesse and the certainty to divine at a glance the kind of man by whom you are confronted should not a magistrate be not merely the best administrator of the law but the most crafty expounder of the chicanery of his profession a steel probe to search hearts a touchstone to try the gold which in each soul is mingled with more or less of alloy sir said villefort upon my word you overcome me i really never heard a person speak as you do because you remain eternally encircled in a round of general conditions and have never dared to raise your wings into those upper spheres which god has peopled with invisible or exceptional beings and you allow then sir that spheres exist and that these marked and invisible beings mingle amongst us why should they not can you see the air you breathe and yet without which you could not for a moment exist then we do not see those beings to whom you allude yes we do you see them whenever god pleases to allow them to assume a material form you touch them come in contact with them speak to them and they reply to you ah said villefort smiling i confess i should like to be warned when one of these beings is in contact with me you have been served as you desire monsieur for you were warned just now and i now again warn you then you yourself are one of these marked beings yes monsieur i believe so for until now no man has found himself in a position similar to mine the dominions of kings are limited either by mountains or rivers or a change of manners or an alteration of language my kingdom is bounded only by the world for i am not an italian or a frenchman or a hindu or an american or a spaniard i am a cosmopolite no country can say it was my birth god alone knows what country will see me die i adopt all customs speak all languages you believe me to be a frenchman for i speak french with the same facility and purity as yourself well ali my nubian believes me to be an arab bertuccio my steward takes me for a roman haldi my slave thinks me a greek you may therefore comprehend that being of no country asking no protection from any government acknowledging no man as my brother not one of the scruples that arrest the powerful or the obstacles which paralyze the weak paralyzes or arrests me i have only two adversaries i will not say two conquerors for with perseverance i subdue even them they are time and distance there is a third and the most terrible that is my condition as a mortal being this alone can stop me in my onward career before i have attained the goal at which i aim for all the rest i have reduced to mathematical terms 
what men call the chances of fate namely ruin change circumstances i have fully anticipated and if any of these should overtake me yet it will not overwhelm me unless i die i shall always be what i am and therefore it is that i utter the things you have never heard even from the mouths of kings for kings have need and other persons have fear of you for who is there who does not say to himself in a society as incongruously organized as ours perhaps some day i shall have to do with the king's attorney but can you not say that sir the moment you became an inhabitant of france you are naturally subjected to the french law i know it sir replied monte cristo but when i visit a country i begin to study by all the means which are available the men from whom i may have anything to hope or to fear till i know them as well as perhaps better than they know themselves it follows from this that the king's attorney be he who he may be with whom i should have to deal would assuredly be more embarrassed than i should that is to say replied villefort with hesitation that human nature being weak every man according to your creed has committed faults faults or crimes responded monte cristo with a negligent air and that you alone amongst the men whom you do not recognize as your brothers for you have said so observed villefort in a tone that faltered somewhat you alone are perfect no not perfect was the count's reply only impenetrable that's all but let us leave off this strain sir if the tone of it is displeasing to you i am no more disturbed by your justice than are you by my second sight no no by no means said villefort who was afraid of seeming to abandon his ground no by your brilliant and almost sublime conversation you have elevated me above the ordinary level we no longer talk we rise to dissertation but you know how the theologians in their collegiate chairs and philosophers in their controversies occasionally say cruel truths let us suppose for the moment that we are theologizing in a social way or even philosophically and i will say to you rude as it may seem my brother you sacrifice greatly to pride you may be above others but above you there is god above us all sir was monte cristo's response in a tone with an emphasis so deep that villefort involuntarily shuddered i have my pride of four men serpents always ready to threaten every one who would pass without crushing them underfoot but i lay aside that pride before god who has taken me from nothing to make me what i am then count i admire you said villefort who for the first time in this strange conversation used the aristocratic form to the unknown personage whom until now he had only called monsieur yes and i said to you if you are really strong 
really superior, really pious or impenetrable, which you are right in saying amounts to the same thing, then be proud, sir, for that is the characteristic of predominance. Yet you have unquestionably some ambition. I have, sir. And what may it be? I, too, as happens to every man once in his life, have been taken by Satan into the highest mountain in the earth, and where there he showed me all the kingdoms of the world, and as he said before, so said to he to me, Child of earth, what wouldst thou have to make thee adore me? I reflected long for a gnawing ambition, and long preyed upon me, and then I replied, Listen, I have always heard of Providence, and yet I have never seen him, or anything that resembles him, or which can make me believe that he exists. I wish to be Providence myself, for I feel that the most beautiful, noblest, most sublime thing in the world is to recompense and punish. Satan bowed his head and groaned. "'You mistake,' he said. "'Providence does exist, only you have never seen him, "'because the child of God is as invisible as the parent. "'You have seen nothing that resembles him, "'because he works by secret springs and moves by hidden ways. "'All I can do for you is to make you one of the agents of that providence.' "'The bargain was concluded. "'I may sacrifice my soul, but what matters it?' added Monte Cristo. If the thing were to do again, I would again do it. Villefort looked at Monte Cristo with extreme amazement. Count, he inquired, have you any relations? No, sir, I am alone in the world. So much the worse. Why? asked Monte Cristo. Because then you might witness a spectacle calculated to break down your pride. "'You say you fear nothing but death.' "'I did not say that I feared it. "'I only said that death alone could check the execution of my plans. "'And old age? "'My end will be achieved before I grow old. "'And madness? "'I have been nearly mad, and you know the axiom? "'Non bis in edem. "'It is an axiom of criminal law,' and consequently you understand its full application. "'Sir,' continued Villefort, "'there is something to fear besides death, old age and madness. For instance, there is apoplexy, that lightning stroke which strikes but does not destroy you, and yet which brings everything to an end. You are still yourself as now, and yet you are yourself no longer.' You who, like Ariel, verge on the angelic, are but an inert mass, which, like Caliban, verges on the brutal, and this is called in human tongues, as I tell you, neither more nor less than apoplexy. Come, if so you will count and continue this conversation at my house, any day you may be willing to see an adversary capable of understanding and anxious to refute you. And I will show you my father, Monsieur Noirtier de Villefort, one of the most fiery Jacobins of the French Revolution. That is to say, 
he had the most remarkable audacity seconded by a most powerful organization a man who has not perhaps like yourself seen all the kingdoms of the earth but who has helped to overturn one of the greatest in fact a man who believed himself like you one of the envoys not of god but of a supreme being not of providence but of fate well sir the rupture of a blood vessel on the lobe of the brain has destroyed all this not in a day not in an hour but in a second monsieur noirtier who on the previous night was the old jacobin the old senator the old carbonaro laughing at the guillotine the cannon and the dagger monsieur noirtier playing with the revolutions monsieur noirtier for whom france was a vast chessboard from which pawns rooks knights and queens were to disappear so that the king was checkmated monsieur noirtier the redoubtable was the next morning poor monsieur noirtier the helpless old man at the tender mercies of the weakest creature in the household that is his grandchild valentine a dumb and frozen carcass in fact living painlessly on that time may be given for his frame to decompose without his consciousness of its decay alas sir said monte cristo this spectacle is neither strange to my eye nor my thought i am something of a physician and have like my fellows sought more than once for the soul in living and in dead matter yet like providence it has remained invisible to my eyes although present to my heart a hundred writers in socrates seneca st augustine and gaul have made in verse and prose the comparison you have made and yet i can well understand that a father's sufferings may effect great changes in the mind of a son i will call on you sir since you bid me contemplate for the advantage of my pride this terrible spectacle which must have been so great a source of sorrow to your family it would have been so unquestionably had not god given me so large a compensation in contrast with the old man who is dragging his way to the tomb are two children just entering into life valentine the daughter by my first wife mademoiselle rené de saint Maron, and edward the boy whose life you have this day saved and what is your deduction from this compensation sir inquired monte cristo my deduction is replied villefort that my father led away by his passions has committed some fault unknown to human justice but marked by the justice of god that god desirous in his mercy to punish but one person has visited his justice on him alone monte cristo with a smile on his lips uttered in the depths of his soul a groan which would have made villefort fly had he but heard it adieu sir said the magistrate who had risen from his seat i leave you bearing a remembrance of you a remembrance of esteem 
which I hope will not be disagreeable to you when you know me better. For I am not a man to bore my friends, as you will learn. Besides, you have made an eternal friend of Madame de Villefort. The Count bowed, and contented himself with seeing Villefort to the door of his cabinet, the procureur being escorted to his carriage by two footmen, who, on a signal from their master, followed him with every mark of attention. When he had gone, Monte Cristo breathed a profound sigh, and said, "'Enough of this poison. Let me now seek the antidote.' Then, sounding his bell, he said to Ali, who entered, "'I am going to Madame's chamber. Have the carriage ready at one o'clock.'" End of chapter 48